Today on Paralysis to Purpose. Disability hits me, right, almost 16 years ago uh, with the birth of my first son. And what I thought being a good father meant was getting your kids out, doing sports, hiking, sailing, skiing, the things that my dad did for me, right? And so I thought I couldn't even be a good father to this child because I didn't understand sports and those kinds of activities were possible. You can do anything you put your mind to. What seems impossible can be done by you. It may knock you down. Don't let it stop you. Got so much to give, a lot of life to live. You must go from paralysis to purpose. This is Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast with David Cooks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. I'm your host, David Cooks, and I say it every time. I'm the most fortunate guy in the world. I get to interview some of the most spectacular people uh, in the entire world, and today is no exception. I am excited to have Clayton Freck with us today. He is a disability advocate and a social entrepreneur. Let me get his stuff together here for you because he's pretty impressive. Uh, He's the CEO and founder of Angel City Sports, which is an organization which works to create free year-round access to adaptive sports training, equipment, and competitive opportunities. Uh, We're going to talk about that because he also deals with the uh, Olympics, Paralympics, and and does things with that as well. He's also the founder of Ampla Institute, a career development and planning firm dedicated to helping people optimize their career potential. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He's a busy man. Clayton, I am excited that you're here and welcome to the podcast. I'm really pumped to be here, David. Uh, I read your book, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> hey, he read the book. Hey, did you? I read the book. Read the book. You hear that out there? If you don't have a copy of my book, make sure you go to my website and get it. Hey, Clayton, let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, let's talk about how Angel City Sports, how that was birthed and how you developed that. I never imagined a career in sport and never thought about a career in disability. And in fact, for most of my life, I was focused on the environment as sort of my cause, right? So I interned in the White House. Uh, I did research in college for three years. I worked at the EPA in the Clinton years, um, worked on ozone layer protection. uh, And then I served on nonprofit boards, right, for many years. And in fact, that was kind of the, the, the connection my wife and I had. Uh, she was an environmental studies major. And we thought our lives were going to be about, you know, kind of championing the environment. And then uh, this fateful day in 2005, our first child, our first son is born. We have three beautiful boys. But the first one comes out of the chute and he's missing limbs. He is, doesn't have a knee. He doesn't have a shin bone. And he's only got one finger on his left hand. Now, we could have a whole episode around that, right? Because as a parent, and you don't know this ahead of time, and I don't even know if you want to know this, right? Uh, it just sort of hits you, right? Uh, 
and you got to process and deal and kind of figure it out. So disability hits me, right, almost 16 years ago uh, with the birth of my first son. And uh, sports comes into it pretty quickly. And so I haven't shared this story a lot, but I'm starting to get comfortable with it, which is I knew so little about disability and literally nothing about adaptive and Paralympic sport. And so what I thought being a good father meant was getting your kids out, doing sports, hiking, sailing, skiing, the things that my dad did for me, right? And so I thought I couldn't even be a good father to this child because I didn't understand sports and those kinds of activities were possible. So I spent the first summer of his life I'm a surfer from Santa Barbara, you know, paddling out to the waves here in Los Angeles and crying. And I don't say that to like get people's, you know, sympathy or anything. It's just that was the journey I had to go on. And I bought him out, right? But what happened is I start, and we did have Google, right, back then. So I started Googling like amputee surfing and, and I just started like, right, figuring it out. So I stumble upon the Challenged Athletes Foundation. This is sort of where my life took a big turn, right? Because they invited us down for their triathlon, which is amazing. If no one's ever gone, uh, you got to go. And I met an amputee surfer from Brazil named Pirata. And he's got the same amputation as Ezra, left above knee. And he rips. He's a great surfer. And so that weekend, our eyes were opened. Right, we met Paralympians. We met other really accomplished athletes, uh, all different types of disability. We realized the world was open to him from a sports standpoint. Again, I still didn't know a thing about the movement or anything. Right, I just knew some people and got some inspiration. So that was a really pivotal moment in our journey, right? And so, listen, we become advocates. Ezra loved sports since like day one five months old he's sitting up and I buy him a ball because I was like gosh the kid doesn't have a ball like what kid doesn't have a ball and he goes crazy over the ball right um he like loved basketball from early days and he because he's an amputee on a running blade he's able to actually mainstream in sport which is unlike most of the people in our right community but he just mainstreamed he's a really good athlete and when he was eight I got this like little nugget of advice you know, when he's about eight, take him to the Endeavor Games, okay? John Siciliano, Paralympian, uh, ran in the Atlanta Games, Paralympics, uh, gave us that advice. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, I trust you, John. Um, so I take him to the Endeavor Games. I didn't know that much about the Paralympics, and we fell in love. And if anybody hasn't been to the Endeavor Games, go. It's great. It's a, um, before, before, we, before you go on, because many of our listeners may not know, what the Endeavor Games are. Can you just give a brief explanation yeah. of what that is and, and then go ahead and continue. Endeavor Games is a Paralympic style competition. So tennis sports, you know, and athletes of all ages and abilities can do a variety of sports. And so we sort of came out to do this event, this, this event and just try a bunch of different sports and, you know, meet people and kind of get connected. And so, I, I mean, I remember like it was yesterday, David. So we're on the track I sign him up for everything, right? I'm like, well, we're going to Oklahoma. I might as well sign you up for everything. And he was complaining. He's like, gosh, you gave me time to all these events I got to do. I'm like, don't worry, you're young. You got this. So 
the final day we're on the track and he's jumping. He's doing the long jump and high jump. And uh, I, I don't know anything about these sports. I grew up as surfer, skateboarder, right? Like I don't know anything about track. And he sets a national record on the long jump. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. So <laughs> he just said that. You said that like, yeah, he went down there and he just uh, set a national record. Yeah. Or, or, or just And he had, had he not, had he been doing this before or anything? No, he didn't know anything. He just was watching other athletes and trying to copy them. So, and this is really interesting, David, and I think you will appreciate this, right? A little bit of recognition goes a long way, right? So this little eight-year-old goes, wait, what? I just set a national record. So he proceeds to like break his own record like two or three more times, right? Kids fired up. And then he goes over to long, uh, goes over the high jump, and um, he's literally learning, like you know, as he's jumping. As he's going, he, yeah, he has no idea how to do this, right? And even he was jumping the wrong on the wrong side, anyways. But on that track that day, I sort of said out loud, "Why do I have to come to Oklahoma for this? This is amazing. It's like been a transformational weekend, right? But I'm the only family from California out here, right?" kind of more regional it's expensive to travel and take the time off on stuff so like i became like obsessed with bringing this type of event to southern california right because i know the numbers in california i got 20 million people within a two-hour drive so that was the impetus for angel city sports wow that's a great story i, I didn't know that your son at age eight was a, a record holder. Um, not very many people can say that. And that your journey was, you went from unlearned to learned just by getting out there and going, um, which is a message, you know, for people that so you don't have to know everything when you get started. Right. You know, I think if you're, if you're willing to learn and willing to take some risk, I think you can pick up some things to do. For your son, as he was growing up, um, and going to grade school and those types of things. What did he talk about, or has he talked much about what his experiences were and and the role that sport played and continues to play in his development and self-esteem? You talked about how mm. a little attention goes a long way. Um, can you just expound on the importance or the significance of sport to your family uh, yeah. specifically and, and your son? When he talks about sport, he talks about a lot of things that it's given him, right? One that he talks about that is not available for all people in the disabled community, but for him, because he was able to mainstream, right, and play flag football, he was a quarterback, you know, he played soccer on the running blade, he played a ton of basketball, played club basketball at an elite level. Um, he was able to build a, a crew of friends that remain to this day, right? And, you know, that goes to like a sense of belonging, right? Um, that he had a little crew. Now, I do think if you aren't able to mainstream, you could do that in the adaptive sports world, right? Similarly, but it gave him friendships and, right, peers that he could kind of hang with. Um, it, it has given him... I'm going to try to say it in, in his own words, but like it is his escape. It is his like meditation. It is a place where he actually gets to forget that he has a disability. 
That's right. That let's just stop there for a moment because I think um, I can I can understand that. Um, it's it with a lot of things. I love sport and coaching and those types of things. And and one of the things that I love to do is go fishing. And when I go fishing, it's a reminder. It's one of the few things that was untouched uh, by me becoming uh, a wheelchair user. I could still get there. I could still go fishing on my own. I didn't ask, I didn't necessarily need assistance to do that. I would take it, but I didn't necessarily need to have it. And so that sense of independence and and um, it allows for you to 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 be free, you know, uh, from the challenges that you face every day. So I think that the fact that he has allowed um, or used sports as 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 a mechanism to help to um, give you a breather. From from the daily grind of having physical challenges is is fantastic because you know what a lot of people have used other things to their detriment to um, deal with the difficulties of having physical challenges. A hundred percent. And, and one, once I'm trying to use his words right, uh, one one phrase that he says is like, "I don't feel different when I'm playing sports. I just feel like one of the guys. I see the power." And sport does this for a lot of us, right? It, it gives us purpose and, you know, focus and goal setting. I mean, I wanted to be a pro skateboarder when I was young and I was nowhere near good enough. But, man, that was my goal, right? Um, you know, kept me out of trouble, right? And um, But for him, really interesting. I think you'll relate to this as well, David, which is he will say, like, it's my identity. I'm an athlete. And so when I look at that, I go, well, you're a kid with a disability, but you're actually labeling yourself an athlete, right? First, I mean, that's really powerful, right? And I think that's a really good lesson for all of us. Like, could we all have some sort of passion that lives above our challenges or whatever white right, other people might want to put us into a box around, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like, couldn't we all just leave, write like our passions on our sleeve instead of, Oh, it's David in the chair or Ezra on the leg or, you know, whatever. There are no two disabilities alike. Right. And so you're in the business of being as inclusive as you can, which mm -hmm. means you have to be so adaptable, yeah. no pun intended, with what yeah. you do because there are no two, disability, two disabilities alike. You're so how, right. how, do you, how do you do this? I mean, it's a lot of work. It's, uh, yeah, a lot of, like, stumbling and falling and picking ourselves back up. Uh, so one is just inviting everyone, right? Just putting it out there that you are welcome to come. I don't care if you have a degenerative, right, disease like MS or MD. I don't care if you're blind. I don't care. I kind of don't care, right? I mean, I care and I care. But, like, I, I care and I don't care. But, like... Just come, right? Just show up. Uh, so that's sort of the starting point for us, right? Is is to your point, being very inclusive, right? Um, and then I think a part of it is attracting, because I'm not an expert in all these sports, right? Like, I don't know. Most of these sports I don't know that much about. So attracting the right kind of coach who has more important than the technical skills has the human right skills to sort of engage and connect with people and 
and I think that's really important in the adaptive sports movement. And I think as we see money flowing into the movement, we got to be careful because that wrong sort of cultural right landscape could really deter people from continuing in sport. And we already see people quitting for a variety of reasons, which is tragic. Um, and what I've learned over the years, David, is, uh, you know, we just brought in whatever coaches we could find, right, hoping that they sort of would bring that great culture and we've evolved over the years. And now we try to mostly have Paralympians themselves coach. And the reason is the Paralympians, they are an athlete first. They have the expertise to coach. All of them do, right? They may not be the best coach in the world, but it's okay. But what they have that all coaches miss is they scan the room. And if they see young David in the corner showing up for the first time, who's kind of in his head and not engaging, a Paralympian instinctively will go get that young David and bring him onto the basketball court. A coach doesn't always have that perspective. And so we, we've sort of transformed our, our perspective on coaching and again, we, we have other coaches in the mix, but like if we can lean on Paralympians, we will because they find that kid in the corner or the, the young woman that's got MS that's like, right, real, whatever it is. But like the Paralympians understand the athlete journey and they understand how hard it is at the beginning. We, th this is a good place to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to I talk about a couple of things. One, um, I want to talk about the relationship that your son has uh, with your other sons. And and how that how that has gone, um, and then we'll we'll take a look. I know you're excited about the uh, 2020 Olympics. Uh, I want to touch base on that, and then finally we'll take a we'll, we'll talk about coaching and uh, career coaching uh, mm -hmm. and what and what you do with that. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Paralysis to Purpose for more updates. Also, check out David's website at davidcookspeaks.com to learn more about his mission and purchase his book, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose. Let's talk about the, the, the other organization, Ampla, is it? Ampla Institute? Yeah. Uh, and is that part of your focus for that group um, uh, or for yeah. that organization? It's a, it's a great question. So Ampla has been um, kind of... Uh, it's been in my mind for almost since I started Angel City. And originally it was, my thought was, okay, there is this opportunity to get people with disabilities hired. And um, so originally it was gonna be focused around people with disabilities. Um, and, I, so I, and I've done a lot of coaching work for athletes coming through Angel City. Um, in fact, those are really my first clients that I just sort of donated services, you know, to in my time to sort of help, help, a, uh, you know, a couple dozen athletes with their careers. What I learned along the way, and this is sort of a sad thing to say, but I didn't see corporate America really ready and engaging. So they would mostly be interested in what I had to say and sort of nod their heads and agree and they, they would take the meeting. And, but when I would sort of lay out a proposal, either to bring them a bunch of interns or, you know, staff up a certain department, because I can basically find anybody in this community, right? 
Uh, I got thousands of, you know, got thousands of people in our, in our Angel City community database and I can put it out to the community. Like if, if there's a job and you want to hire someone with disability, I can find you that person. Um, I didn't see a lot of follow-up, right, from some of these companies. And so um, I had to kind of go back to the drawing board. And so in 2020, um, I basically created my own career development framework. And it was born out of a frustration around what was out there. You know, I've read some books and taken lectures and done all these things and gone back to my business school, you know, at almost every year reunion to get little, you know, nuggets of wisdom. And I just wasn't finding any clarity. And I actually kind of got into the space where I was sort of confused because I have to do something else after Angel City. I didn't know what it was. And here I'm in my 40s and like, I'm confused. Like, how is that happening? So out of my own personal struggle and pain in figuring out what's my next career move, um, I created my own coaching framework and now I'm sort of rolling it out. And I'll, you know, I will do some of this work with Angel City um, because we do want to get people inspired to have great careers and get a great education and, you know, kind of follow your path, frankly, right? Um, kind of aim for the stars, right? Um, so I'll do some of it, you know, kind of pro bono for Angel City and then I will find others. And so it, the organization isn't just focused on the disabled community anymore. It was, you know, kind of that early phase was, but it's just frustrating. Like I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't see the matches being made because the corporate side didn't seem ready. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I think that that's wisdom speaking right there. I think that you continue um, to move forward and uh, trying to assist and create awareness. I want to kind of end today uh, our conversation anyway, at this point with your family. I want to go back to your family um, and the relationship. Uh, you've got three boys. We talked about Ezra, your oldest son. Um, but I want to talk about your family and the relationship with Ezra and his brothers and, and how that has worked. Um, it's because I think it's one thing to be born with physical challenges. Um, and it's another thing to like me have an aneurysm when you're 15 and your entire family has to adjust to something they've never seen before. Um, how's that been for your family and your, your other sons adjusting to not only the physical challenges of Ezra, but his mm -hmm. success as a world-class athlete and yeah. all of the focus that that can bring to him yeah. relative to perhaps them. How's that been? Yeah, no, you're, you're, honestly, I think you're the first person to ever ask me that question so clearly because what I usually have to sort of say is it's twofold. It is the disability and then it's sort of the celebrity side of it, right? And if you don't have a kid with a disability, you don't, you can't appreciate this, but like it's, it's a huge extra effort on the parents. It, it just is. And it probably doesn't matter that much what the disability is. You have to try to stay ahead of your child in terms of what are their needs. And it's, you know, like my wife and I are just constantly blocking and tackling. I, I sort of, became sort of the 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 prosthetic guy right so like prosthetic issues sort of go to me um 
she typically has better intuition around medical challenges. And so she at least directs me on those. Um, you know, she like said, you have to get Ezra an x-ray on his legs. I'm worried. And Ezra wasn't even complaining. And he ended up having a fractured femur. And I'm like, okay, so from now on, I'm trusting your judgment and not mine. Uh, I think that's wise. I'm like, he's not even complaining. Why am I taking him to the, she's like, just go, go. You know, and she was like dead on. So, um, so, you know, we kind of divide and conquer. She's, I'm like the logistics guy. I'm an operations guy. Right. So, um, but she, so she's sort of the emotional, right. Kind of the mental strength and all that stuff. So we kind of divide and conquer, but it's an, it's a, it's an incredible amount of effort. And I don't know how, you know, we've had some sort of flexibility career wise. Like when I had big corporate jobs, she was at home and then we've kind of both been started entrepreneurial things. So now we can kind of block and tackle, but I don't know how anybody has two working parents, nine to five jobs because the prosthetic office closes at five. Right. And it's not open on the weekends. Right. Um, for you, any doctor visit, you can't do that in the evenings and the weekends. So you have to take time out of work. Right. So super tricky. It, it just, it sucks your time and your, in your mental focus. And then with Ezra, I mean, he was on good morning America as a four-year-old. He's, friends with Paul Gasol. He was on Ellen. He was a Sports Illustrated, you know, kid of the year finalist. He spoke to the Golden State Warriors the year they broke the Bulls record, um, right before they broke the Bulls record. Uh, he's spoken to 18,000 people, right, at We Day uh, events, been introduced by, you know, or, you know, by Selena Gomez and Magic Johnson. And the, the kids had this insane life as an advocate, right? And he wasn't even that accomplished of an athlete. I mean, he was a good little athlete, but like, and now he's on the Paralympic team and, you know, there's an opportunity for him to be one of the real leaders in the Paralympic movement and kind of be one of the faces of the movement. And so, you know, his sort of celebrity is just going to go like that. So I say all that with, uh, I mean, I love your question because it's, it's hard, right? It, you know, the brothers... They, they're, they're really th close. I mean, they're, they're different in ages. You know, there's a four-year gap and then a three-year gap uh, between my middle and my youngest. So, um, you know, but they, I think they, they, all, they, all, they all get along. They love each other. They support each other. But Ezra's sort of taken the, the spotlight, right, in many ways. And so as a parent, you know, we're aware of this and we try our best to spread you know, the attention, right? The dinnertime conversations, we try to kind of um, support the other two in their passions because we've obviously supported Ezra and his passion. So, um, but it's, it's tricky. And they have not benefited from his celebrity. Mm. It doesn't uh, benefit I didn't think about, at all. Didn't think about that. And right. what, what, are, what are their what are their names? I, I want to I want to bring some humanity to your side. Yeah, so I've got what a Gabriel. I've got a Gabriel is my twelve, and then Elijah is almost. He's turning nine um, in May, the same month Ezra will turn sixteen. So well, you 16. have you have got the Old Testament covered, my friend. We, we locked up the Old Testament. You locked up uh, the Old Testament. That's, and you there's got Ezra, Ezra, Gabriel, and Elijah. That's a lot of. That's a lot of power right there. <laughs> and there's like twenty more great names in the Old Testament. So go digging through the Old Testament <laughs> if you need a baby name. Um, but um, but yeah, like I think um, 
And so last, so in 2019, Ezra had this amazing summer. Like he got classified under the Paralympic system. So he is eligible for world rankings. And then he delivered a great result at the Angel City Games presented by the Hartford, which is my event at UCLA. Um, and he made the U.S. Paralympic team as a 14-year-old. He just turned 14, like the month before, right? And, um, and so he has this summer where he goes to Junior World Championships, wins some medals, goes to the Parapan American Games in Peru, wins a couple of medals, and then goes to the World Championships where he makes the finals in all three of his events, the high jump, long jump, and the 100 meter. And basically, like, he's the kid coming after these adults, right? He's a kid competing against these adults, but, like, he held his own. Um, so watch out, Tokyo. Here he comes. But what we did that summer, right, is we took the family to Peru. Um, and I had been to Peru before, and I love the country. It's a beautiful, spiritual place. People are really kind. Um, it's just an amazing place in the sacred Valley and Machu Picchu. Like it's, it's, it's unlike anything you'll ever do in your life. So we sort of took that as an opportunity to get, get the kids an international experience. And we had a blast and Ezra after the games joined us. Right. And we went to the sacred Valley. Um, so that's important as we go forward, right? Because Ezra's going to probably do, you know, the IPC track meets in Europe in the spring, um, and then, uh, you know, world championships and all these things. And so I want the other kids to directly benefit from his success, you know, um, like to, like, like they can't deny it. Like they're going to Peru, they went to Peru because of Ezra, right? So I think that'll help. Um, but man, it's, it's a really hard, hard yeah. thing. And they're all young. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're, Ezra's 16 now, I think. And, you know, that is the most, one of the most difficult ages in a young man's life is that 15 to 16 year old. But like you said, they're I wise. Coach, I coach sophomores. They're crazy. These, these kids are wise, man. Yeah. These are not, this isn't a regular old 16. No, no. You know? So you've got him and then your younger sons um, and they're trying to navigate through all and figure it all out. I, I think, uh, I think you're right on point though. If, if um, th there's enough blue sky for all the birds. Yeah. And and if we understand that, um, then we teaching teaching one another how to celebrate someone else's success and how to be a part of that success is really important. And um, I thought that was that was pretty good. I see you got a bunch of butterflies up on the wall uh, behind you. There is there some significance uh, to to the butterflies to you or your family? Uh, not not really. Uh, it's just mm -hmm. a little art from my uh, from my youngest uh, child. Um, yeah. But uh, so you got an artist. You have an artist in the family. Yeah, he's a legit artist. He's actually since the pandemic, he's taken art classes with my mom, which is super cool. That's, uh, that's fantastic. And the fact that you know what I what I love about what you're saying about your your sons and your family is that whatever path they seem to be um, attracted to, you're put, you're you're allowing them to grow and develop on that path. You haven't you haven't made them. You have you have to you know, but you see, like when you gave Ezra a ball, he went crazy. You're like, okay, he's an he's an athlete, yeah. you know, and so and so let's do that. And yeah. your youngest son Elijah uh, is an artist. You can see that, and he's taking classes, and you're going to bring that natural gift out of them. And I think that's important, especially when you do have uh, children uh, with various levels of celebrity, um, because that's not easy to do. That's yeah. that's not easy. 
So, and, and, and also, like, they, you know, listen, they don't give you a book when you have kids to teach you how to parent. They, they don't? Um, at least I didn't get it. <laughs> um, but they're all so darn different. You know, it's like, okay, same, you know, same parents, but man, they come out different. And so I do think that's, you know, that's one of the challenges, but joys of parenting, right? Which is finding, finding their passions and helping fuel their passions. And, you know, I, I'm not a great artist, you know, but, you know, I'll do it, you know, yeah. I'll support it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, we talked about it earlier as we get ready to close that every, every disability is different. And so you have to approach each person that you come in contact with in a different way mm -hmm. and children are the same. And, um, and, and that, that makes sense. Is there anything as we close today, you know, we've talked about a lot um, that you would want the listeners to know um, about angel city, about what you're doing or, yeah. or, or anything. Here's your chance to, yeah. I mean, yeah, there, and there are no shameless plugs. No, I, I'll plug Angel City and I'll plug Amplet. Um, Angel, Angel City has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Hands down. A brutal journey and struggle to create a nonprofit that can be self-sustaining. And you're supposed to say that your number one challenge is, is money in nonprofit world. That's what you're supposed to say. And probably for most, it's true. For us, it's athletes. And so my call to action to your listeners is if you have a disability of any kind, physical disability specifically, or you know someone in your life, make sure they are aware that sports are available. It might take some travel, might take some research. You're welcome to follow Angel City Sports. We will have a national footprint over time, but for now we're more kind of West Coast, but you can come out to anything we're doing. Um, but just start digging around because there are incredible opportunities in organizations like Angel City Sports out there for, for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a fisherman or an outdoorsman or a winter guy or a summer sports guy or a beach, it doesn't matter, like whatever. Whatever your thing is, there's somebody out there doing it. So don't sit on the couch. Uh, I don't care what your age is. I don't care if you're 80. I don't care if you're two. I don't care if you're 40 and going through your midlife crisis. It doesn't matter to us. And it doesn't matter to many of my peer group, peer organizations around the country. Some are more kids or veteran focused, but like you can find, you can find something. So that's my call to action. I like to say after I give a, you know, impassioned soapbox speech, like you're deputized, go find the athletes because they're not here. We're looking for them. They're hard to find. Send them our way. Um, and listen, on the career coaching side, um, what I think is an, a simple thing for people to think about, and they can come find Ample Institute. You know, I'm just about to launch the website, but I'm, I'm you know, they can follow me on LinkedIn or whatever and see kind of where I'm going. Um, my framework is really simple, right? It is three Ps. It's passion proficiency and purpose, which is why I love, I love the name of the podcast and I love the conversation around purpose. And I think you have to find the intersection of those three things in order to find your optimal career path. And what I have seen in my um, research is people know their passion. 
they can give me 10 things they're passionate about. So that's the easy one. People think they know what they're good at, their proficiency, but they're often wrong. So make sure you're clear on what you're actually good at, right? And then the third one is the purpose, which most people have no clue. So when I do coaching, and I'm about to launch some pods and you know different ways that people can go through the framework with me, uh, it's a lot about finding purpose. Because most people, if you ask on the, on the sidewalk, they actually get kind of scared when you ask them the question, what's your purpose? And I'm trying to like take the pressure off of that question, but still ask it and ask you to engage with it. And what I like to say is snuggle into it, chase it, be aware of it, right? Be moving towards it. I don't care what, you know, how your brain works and how you think about it, but don't ignore it. And don't think that it's something that's unachievable because it absolutely is. I mean, look at you, right? Look at me. You and I could probably come up with 100 people in our lives that are living their purpose day to day. Now, again, I get it. It's hard. And it sometimes means you got to go through some, some pain maybe in your past, right? My purpose, you know, and I think your purpose evolves over time, right? But the last 15 years, it was just dropped on my lap in the form of a baby, right? Back yeah. to that, like, I Literally. didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know about disability. And now I'm a disability advocate. How funny is that? Yeah. Right? Like, I didn't know anything about disability and I'm not even disabled. Right? So um, you don't know where your purpose is going to come from. You got to dig. Right? And, and that's where I really help people. I really get to know them and understand their journey because it often comes from pain or privilege. Mm. Wow. Pain or privilege. How about that? Yeah, that's really, that's really good. That's I think really good. Um, some people are just destined for things. And I maybe call that like a higher power. That's like maybe uh -huh. the third one. But like yep. pain and privilege, you're going to find 80% of people, right? Their purpose is in, in one of those buckets. Wow. Okay. Um, passion, proficiency, and purpose. The intersection of those three. I love that. Because um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big believer that your purpose your purpose will be tied to some sort of natural gifting that you have, which is, yeah. which is tied to your passion. And, you know, you pursue that and like what we do now. Um, I mean, I have to work at this, but I'm gifted to do this. And so I do it as part of my passion. I mean, it's the same way. And so um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, get a hold of you, whether it's for coaching, speaking, uh, Angel City, uh, what's your uh, website? handle that kind of stuff yeah um I'm, I'm pretty easy to find on this social media channel is just clayton freck some of them it's clayton.freck um people can reach out to me through angel city sports uh the social is just at angel city sports or angelcitysports.org um and ample institute is sort of i've got all those uh, social tags in the website kind of reserved but i haven't really kind of pushed a lot of content out but you can get me through through ample institute as well um you know, like I'm really active on LinkedIn. Um, and so it, anybody that's on LinkedIn, if you're not just get on it, cause it's actually a pretty amazing platform. Um, and, uh, so that's a super easy way. I, I like, I'm getting, I get messages every day from people, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a really fun platform. Um, 
But but yeah, and if you have a disability or somebody you know, get them connected to Angel City Sports and other organizations like that. That's right. Well, thank you, Clayton, for being our guest today. Um, and we learned an awful lot. And, you know, I look forward to watching the Olympics, uh, Paralympics. Got to see your son do his thing. And I also look forward to interviewing him. But until next time, this is your host, David Cooks on Paralysis, the Purpose to Podcast, reminding you that your ability to endure is always greater than your willingness to endure. You can do anything you put your mind to. Thanks for tuning in to Paralysis to Purpose. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paralysis to Purpose on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. To purchase his book, visit davidcooksspeaks.com. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspiring conversations with David Cooks. If I have one leg and I'm beating these guys that have two kids in my grade, I was like, I must be doing something right. I must be, you know, so it was like when I played sports and I was able to keep up with these guys that have two legs and I only have one and play basketball against guys that have two hands and I only really have one full hand and I'm still able to keep up. Next time on Paralysis to Purpose. It was sort of those moments where I, it, so I sort of realized I was like, Oh, like I'm pretty good at basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport for a while. I wanted to like go to the NBA and stuff like that. And then the dream shifted to the the Olympics. Paralysis to purpose.